Morning. Merry Christmas and all that. And all that. Uh, please turn with me, if you would, to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31. So the other night, um, I get home from work and, you know, take a shower, and it's kind of like you're in kind of down mode, um, you know, kind of debriefing from the week, and what, what, what's the word, uh, not digesting, reflecting, I guess, I don't know, something like that, um, and decompressing, I like that, that's good, and um, I'm hanging out in James's room, because that's what he likes to do before he goes to bed, is like punch me a lot, <laughs> that's one of his things, he likes punching me, um, and I'm noticing as like we're hanging out, we're getting ready for bed and things like that, that I start hearing like, you know, um, sirens outside. And that's not out of the ordinary. We live on a relatively, you know, busy road and um, I keep hearing it. And it's like, wow, you know, there must be really something going on. And, and then it goes on for like, you know, 10 minutes. Like there is something wrong. And it got to the point where like, wow, we, we, need, to, we need to go, uh, I need to look and, and see, you know, Snoop. And, and find out what is it in the neighborhood that is making all this fuss that it's requiring, like, multiple fire engines. And then I, like, I open the window and, like, get my binoculars. I'm going to look. You know, oh, man, they're coming out of the Reynolds Road, you know? Like, and <laughs> as they start, like, going slow, like, down the street, I'm like, no, no, get out of first gear. You know, <laughs> There's a fire, you know. And I realized, okay, there's, there's something different here. This is not an emergency. Um, but there's, like, so much loud noises. And then I realized, like, there was a, um, an email that went out from Craig Jones last week warning me that there would be sirens and all this stuff. And it just wasn't clicking. The bells weren't going off. And then I realized, I was looking through these binoculars, that's not a fire. That's Santa Claus on a fire engine. And I say that, and James just erupts. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> On a fire engine, <laughs> no less? And we open up the window, and we're like, yeah, there's Santa. And he's just like, Santa! <laughs> Hi! Look at me! Just, uh, <laughs> I, I, it struck me like you can't package that kind of unbridled joy. I, I can't like just look at you all and say, unbridled joy, everybody, go. But there was something. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I actually was going to try that, and I was going to say, I bet the best I'd get is just somebody going, woo-woo. But you, you have this moment um, that, that for whatever reason... He just erupts, just, just, just apoplexy. There's just, just, there's just this unbridled joy um, that I said, you, you can't package that. We've um, been in this season right now of uh, Advent, of anticipation, um, of a process of walking through this season. And um, one of the traditions that I suppose that New Hope has had is that we spend a lot of this time in, um, in prophecy. 
in Old Testament prophecy to, to read what um, those like uh, uh, Isaiah and now Jeremiah um, has to say about the things that God is doing with his people. You know, obviously there is an awful lot that happens in the story of creation, but there's something that God is about. And then we get these little images, and sometimes we get really big images, and sometimes there's really kind of small hints about there's something else going on here. God's not done with some of the things um, that are wrong with the world. And we're in Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied uh, during the reigns um, of the last days of the kings of Judah, the last kings of Judah, which ended in exile for most of the people of, uh, to Babylon because of, the king, uh, because of the invasions of King Nebuchadnezzar. The northern uh, kingdom, Israel, had been conquered by the Assyrians a century before, and then Assyria itself fell to Babylon in 612 B.C. The northern kingdom of Israel wasn't restored. Jeremiah was a prophet that announced the coming judgment of God on his people. He was a priest, and um, he was divinely forbidden to marry, and he lived a life of, of opposition to many in authority and actually found his, his life in danger several times. His work found him like in the thick of political events. Egypt and Babylon were fighting over the region, and Jeremiah repeatedly prophesied the Babylonian victory. He said that King Nebuchadnezzar was, his, was God's scourge, Jeremiah's fame had spread throughout the empire with such vigor that when, after Jerusalem fell, King Nebuchadnezzar actually had a special commission to care for the prophet. And there's kind of some characteristics and some themes that Jeremiah brings up. He calls in the early parts of his letter, or of the book, calls Judah to repent and to avoid this judgment. But then it kind of transitions into an announcement um, that the time for repentance may have passed and judgment, judgment was now determined and remains this kind of dominant theme. Du- judgment remains this dominant theme throughout the book. The loss of the promised land looks imminent. And eventually we get other hints. We get other kind of whispers that God would save his people or at least a remnant of them um, through the exile. Babylon would rule over Judah for a limited time, and then Babylon itself would also fall. It fell in 539 B.C. Um, Babylon was defeated by an alliance of the Persians and the Medes under Cyrus. This paved the way for the exiles to return. But, but there was also, through all of this, there was this message of salvation through the other side of judgment, crystallized in this new covenant language that we're seeing in chapter 31. Um, Jeremiah speaks more openly about his personal involvement than a lot of the other prophets. He feels the passion of the Lord, especially in regards to sin, and he expresses anguish at the difficulty of being a prophet. And God reassures him in chapter 15 um, and echoes this kind of reassurance, as we're going to see a little later. Um, It can be seen as a sign of God's faithfulness, that God's faithfulness to the prophet Jeremiah um, is seen as a sign of God's faithfulness to the whole people through and beyond the uh, imminent judgment. So there's this business that has to be taken care of. There's this judgment business that um, we need to do uh, work with, but there is also hope that through the work that God's doing and through times that are frankly going to look a little nasty, that there is going 
to be hope, and there is hope. Starting in verse uh, 15. Thus says the Lord, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children, because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. Rachel weeping for their children. Now, they have the edge kids with us today. Can anybody say, who was Rachel? I'll give you guys an opportunity. Rachel? Namesake? Jacob's wife. Um, how many uh, wives did Jacob have? Four. You know, he had, he had uh, sons and, and daughters by uh, four different women. Um, Rachel being the one that he... What's that? He loved. Yeah. He was, he, the, the, basically, the whole story of, of Jacob is this long kind of process of things that he had to do to eventually get to be with Rachel. Um, now, the future is an interesting thing because one of the commentators that was talking about uh, this text talks about um, the, the, the future. What does it say? There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. Now, one of the ways we could look at the word future could mean a time, that things are going to get better in the future. Now they are not so good, but in time they're going to get better. But another way of looking at it, one commentator says, is that we could look at it as the future of meaning the people, meaning your future, your uh, descendants. God is going to be faithful even to those that... um, of people, even to your descendants that are living a hundred years from now. In the same way that we can look back to Rachel and Jacob and the ways that God was faithful through that time up until now, he's not done yet. You know, it's like God's saying, if you haven't figured this out by now, we're not done. And I think that's something that we can learn today. You know, I think that's something that we can remind ourselves of each Christmas. Like, if we haven't figured this out yet, we haven't, we don't know exactly how God's going to work this out, but he's going to. And God's saying, don't you know that I haven't given up on you yet? Picking up in verse 18, I have surely heard Ephraim bemoaning himself. You have chastised me, and I was chastised like an untrained bull. Restore me, and I will return, for you are the Lord my God. Surely after my turning, I repented, And after I was instructed, I struck myself on the thigh. I was ashamed, yes, even humiliated, because I bore the reproach of my soul. Ephraim was the son of Joseph, who was the son of Rachel. He seems to be speaking of like a return uh, from the exile. So there's kind of that literal meaning of return. But there's also this return language of uh, repentance of returning to God, returning to the one that's going to be your home, returning to the one that's going to be your refuge. And here, listen to Eugene Peterson's translation of um, God's response to Ephraim's uh, bemoaning. Oh, Ephraim is my dear, dear son, my child in whom I take pleasure. Every time I mention his name, my heart 
bursts with longing for him. Everything in me cries for him. Softly and tenderly I wait for him. This is God's decree. So God's response to Ephraim, he assures Ephraim um, of his deep longing that he should return, uh, that he should return to him. It's so much like, like God saying, I can't even speak his name without just yearning for him, without yearning for the love that I have for him. Um, the commenta- one commentator says, the Hebrew text in the last line reads literally, my bowels rumble for him. But has to be rent, but, but this is, but has to be rendered, my heart yearns for him. <laughs> very, very vivid language depicts God's stomach being churned up for longings for his son. Although ancient psychology is different from our own, the physical effects of human emotions are recognizably the same as they are are now. (laughs) So kids, the next time your mom says, I love you, you could say, and my bowels rumble for you, mom. (laughs) Doing my part. (laughs) We'll put that on the Christmas card. Our bowels rumble for thee. So, Christmas is a time when you see folks, you might see family members that you don't often see. If your family um, is anything like mine, um, you know, there are people in our lives that we see regularly. There are people in our lives that, while we're, um, every week I might see them at church or I might see them at Um, you know, family gatherings or something like that. But then there's other folks, uncles, aunts, grandparents, that I might only see them once or twice a year. And Christmas is going to be one of those times. Um, Maybe they are people that have experienced some, what we could say is tough love from the family. That for whatever reason these individuals have been kept at a distance. And that's not necessarily um, a bad thing. It, sometimes those things are done you know, for good reason. Um, but for some reason, that image came to my mind when I was reading God's uh, response to Ephraim. Who, Ephraim was saying, you know, you trained me well. You broke me, a wild yearling horse to the saddle. Now put me trained and obedient to you, so you are my God. After those years of running loose, I repented. After you trained me to obedience, I was ashamed of my past, my wild, unruly past. Humiliated, I beat on my chest. Will I ever live this down? And then God says, don't you know that I have this longing desire that I can feel in the depth of my being for you to come home? Whatever darkness, whatever blackness, whatever bad things were in that past, I want you to come home. Don't you know that I haven't given up on you yet? Set up signposts, not just to the land, but also to God. Make landmarks. Set your heart toward the highway, the way in which you went. Turn back, O virgin of Israel. Turn back to those, these your cities. How long will you gad about? How long will you dilly-dally? How long will you go hither and thither? (laughs) 
I was reading all the different translations for that. Um, oh, you backsliding daughter, for the Lord has created a new thing. The Lord has created a new thing. The Lord has created a new thing on the earth, in the earth. A woman shall encompass a man. Set up signposts. Get a good map. Study the road conditions. The road out is the road back. Come back, dear virgin Israel. Come back to your hometowns. How long will you flit here and there indecisive? How long before you make up your fickle mind? God will create a new thing in this land. A transformed woman will embrace the transforming God. Dear virgin daughter Israel, set out for home. We're not really sure what this means. I was reading some commentaries on it that they're, they're not really sure exactly what that a woman shall encompass a man kind of means. It, some people have uh, you know, pointed it towards Advent to the season of, um, of, of meaning uh, Mary. Um, but we're not really sure what this means. But clearly, there is this idea of the virgin Israel coming back home. And it implies that there's, there's something new, something kind of completely unheard of in Israel's history. Something new is about to take place. You, you think your story is over? You think that this time and this darkness is, is over? No, no, I'm God, I'm king, and I'm doing something new. You think that this emptiness will ever be filled? Don't you know that you're not complete? Don't you know that I haven't given up on you? You know we're not done, right? A message from Israel's God of angels armies. God of angel armies. When I've turned everything around and brought my people back, the old expressions will be heard on the streets. God bless you. O true home. O holy mountain, all Judah's people, whether in town or country, will get along just fine with, with each other. I'll refresh tired, tired bodies. I'll restore tired souls. This is the last part is a turn to the southern area of Judah. God is Israel's true resting place, and that's what he's reminding them of. God is that uh, resting place, that great refuge her strength, her true home, her holy mountain, her source of blessing. And then in verse 26, we get this kind of funny side note or kind of end to the section. Or After I awoke, I looked around and my sleep was sweet to me. He, woke, he wakes up. What a pleasant and satisfying sleep. I'd imagine... It's pointing to the truth that God isn't finished with anyone yet. And it's interesting that we read in Matthew that when Herod saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah, the prophet. Sorry. Lost my place. 
A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So there is this kind of pointing in direction that there is a new thing that God's about, and we're getting a hint of that in Matthew, that that's something that's going on with what we typically see as the Christmas story is being connected to these prophetic ideas from Jeremiah. There is mystery in knowing the story as it has been passed down from generation to generation. The idea that one day our Lord is going to do a new thing. The mystery of the season of Advent is that an anticipation which knows that the night is limited by the light of Christ, who comes down, takes residence, takes up residence with his people, and announces the good news of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. There's a lot of rough things that we could say about the Christmas season, and those things can't and shouldn't be waved off easily. We can't package the unbridled joy that I saw in James's eyes two nights ago. But we can work to remind each other that that kind of joy was real and that it is real. Because when I saw his face, I remembered. Obviously, it wasn't a theologically rich moment. But if Christmas can be a time when I ride the coattails of my son's joy, so be it. Because the truth is that I need it desperately. We can't change the past. But we can dedicate our lives to this new thing that God is doing. We can believe in the future of hope love, grace, and peace. And when we grasp that, when we remind each other of that truth, we realize that our heavenly joy is not just a distant hope, but it is a present reality, whether we feel it at the time or not. Because black as our past may be, God's future for us is whiter than snow. If we just believe in him, and believe him. Let's pray. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lays His glory by, born that man so no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born 
to give them second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, listen up. Angels are singing about the faith fact that Jesus is Lord. Everything is going to be new and utterly transformed. Amen.